today, Rinpoche showed how the masters in the Tibetan Buddhist lineage have negated the view of the Chinese habit, Hashan, in showing that it's necessary to have both method and wisdom in order to become a Buddha, because it's necessary to have both the collection of exalted merit and the collection of exalted wisdom in order to produce the form and truth bodies of the Buddha. Uh, and Rinpoche will let us know exactly where in the text we are. It's a three-volume series that's been translated into English. This is the actual Tibetan book that it's a translation of. Uh, and now we're in the second volume currently, uh, dealing with the Mahayana. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so uh, if everybody who has the English wants to follow along, turns to page 87 uh, in the second volume of the English. Uh, this is where, about where we're going to begin. Uh, and specifically, it will be, uh, uh, and let me just double check this. Yes, specifically, uh, what then is the unmistaken and complete set of causes and conditions? Uh, so that's where uh, we're going to start. It's you know just a little bit down on page 87 in the second volume. What the number of the Tama del Takas over there? Tahajango, what the Tia Yilamaji, but the Tabi Lord is Tia Yilamaji, and then go in and da and then you're more in and da Tama Lot and the Koakuji Judas and then call to you. Okay, so now we arrive at a section where we deal with a master that is named Hashang. Uh, also known as the Chinese abbot. Uh, and he is uh, someone who um, uh, was a holder of a view um, that later be is negated. Um, and the view was that um, no matter what, uh, if a thought is virtuous or non-virtuous, afflicted or not afflicted, it's a conceptual thought and necessarily then a cause for suffering, a cause for cyclic existence. And that the path to liberation was merely an emptying of the mind. That somehow by emptying the mind completely and by stopping thinking, by stopping conceptual thought, that this is what emptiness meant and this is a pathway uh, to liberation. Uh, so uh, this is... Um, where the section where we arrive at this 
master's view that will then completely be uh, negated as a note uh, for anyone new um, that's hearing that. That's not the view of our Buddhist school. The emptying the mind is not emptiness. Um, so just as a note to anyone brand new, because they see new faces, uh, in this style of Buddhism, there's a lot of debate where they express an opponent's position and then unravel it. So that's where we are in the section right now. We're in a place where they're expressing uh, the op opinion of an opponent about emptiness and then unraveling that opinion and showing how scripturally it's inaccurate. So just as a translator's note, anyone who's new to this style or this school of Buddhism, uh, it's a very in intellectual, analytical school that relies on logic um, and uh, not on uh, only on thoughts or quotes. Uh, so uh, that's where we begin, and uh, that's who Master Hashan was. He was a holder of uh, a view that believed that conceptual thinking in total, good or bad, virtuous or non-virtuous, was all caused for cyclic existence. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the, tr the fact is that um, we currently have afflictions which are afflictive obstructions and obstructions to omniscience. Uh, and this, uh, because of these, we then engage in uh, negative actions, and then this creates more cyclic existence. So when we look to what causes these afflictions and we, what causes karma, we'll find that it is the grasping at things as being truly established. Uh, it's the, the grasping at the, um, uh, the uh, true selflessness of person uh, that gives rise to the karma and the afflictions. So it is only uh, this understanding of the lack of true establishment of cyclic existence uh, that will get rid of the afflictive obstructions uh, and the obstructions to om omniscience. So it is the wisdom realizing the selfless, the the um, the lack of establishment of self of phenomena which serves as an antidote or an opponent to the grasping at true establishment which creates, which, uh, which uh, as a result of this mistaken view which grasps at things as being truly established, uh, afflictions occur and then afflictions cause action to occur. Um, and, and this uh, is the actual view that we hold, whereas just emptying the mind won't cause the grasping at true establishment uh, to be negated. Um, uh, so it, it takes an opponent, which is an opponent to the mistaken view, which is the correct view, to unravel it. Not merely an emptying of thought altogether. That doesn't serve as an antidote or an opponent. Uh, it just serves as a negative state, which isn't acting to, to, which isn't acting to negate at all. Okay, Deeksonarim Chair. So please look at the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. So in Tibetan, we're on 341 in the hardcover. 
text, uh, one volume, and then in uh, English, we're on page 87. What then? Uh, yeah. And we'll then find a quote. What that one? Jujin 他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是他是不是
before realizing the spirit of enlightenment, we find that there are various causes that lead up to great compassion. So we find first recognizing sentient beings are our mother, then remembering their kindness, then wishing to repay their kindness, then love through the force of attraction, and then great compassion. So great compassion is a result of these prior steps. So it's that great compassion that we talk about in the seven-point cause and effect that's led up to in that way through those causes that is being spoken of here in this action tantra. So, great compassion, um, as is, uh, uh, let me start where I can. Uh, great compassion, we can find, is divided into uh, three different categories. Um, so uh, it, it's divided into uh, um, uh, um, let's see. Uh, um, compassion that has sentient beings as its object, compassion that has phenomena as its object, and compassion that has the observationless as its object. So there are three different types of compassion uh, that we can divide, divide up. So when we look at what is the definition of uh, great compassion, it's either a wisdom or meditative stabilization and all things of a mind and mental factors associated with them, relying on a concentration that wishes that sentient beings uh, be free from suffering. Um, so it's a, a wish, it's this wish that is basically saturates the mind that wishes that all sentient beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Um, so this is a, a, a something that per basically this means it pervades the mind and mental factors. This, this uh, idea, everything is influenced by this idea that may all sentient beings uh, have hap uh, be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So uh, it's, it's, um, that's the basic definition. It's, it says that the object of observation um, Ninji Chemble is any younger Suranan, Kale Kale, the younger Suranan. Okay, so uh, great compassion uh, is uh, defined as um, a, a mind and mental factors that is saturated or pervaded with the idea um, that wishes that all sentient, that has uh, um, as its object of observation all sentient beings and wishes that they be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Uh, so the, the qualifying factors in the definition are, as says a translator's note, that the object of observation is all sentient beings, and, and it's a wish that pervades the mind that doesn't stop, it's always there, um, and it wishes that that object of observation, which is everyone, all sentient beings that exist, are free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So that's the definition of great compassion. And then there are those three categories, phenomena, observationless, and sentient beings. Okay, 
Okay, so what are these three different types of suffering? What does that mean? Uh, the suffering of suffering refers to just the general suffering that we experience when pain occurs, or any kind of uh, pain, as a note, translator's note, emotional, physical, any kind of suffering that occurs and, and it, it causes pain. That, that's what the suffering of suffering refers to when we experience suffering, the general suffering. Uh, the, uh, the suffering of change actually refers to contaminated happiness that we experience uh, that changes. So, um, so that's what the suffering of change is. And, and then the pervasive compounded suffering is the suffering that we have to experience as a result of our karma and afflictions. We over and over are cast or propelled into a set of aggregates that we don't have control over. So we're, we're tossed into these, this set of aggregates because of our karma and afflictions and beyond our control. That's the pervasive compounded suffering. Then, Less so. 
less so. Um, so uh, when we say contaminated happiness, we have the happiness that we derive um, from the, the various um, objects, or such as uh, things that we see, uh, things that we smell, things that we taste, uh, uh, things that we hear, uh, things that have some sort of tactile sensation uh, that we like. So it's the contaminated happiness that's result that, that's associated with those apprehensions that is uh, what the suffering of change is referring to. So I asked Rinpoche to expand a little on the suffering of change because there might be folks new. Uh, so it, it's that contaminated happiness. And as a translator's note, basically that it's due t definitely to change. So you walk, you're hot, you walk into an air-conditioned room, you're happy, then now you're cold. That, so that, that's contaminated happiness means that it's not permanent. It won't stay happy. Um, so it's not really happy. Uh, it's loaded with some suffering in the end. Uh, so I'm sorry to make such a long note, um, but that's uh, what that contaminated happiness and apprehension is referring to is the change. Uh, and then uh, the, the Rinpoche said the suffering of suffering is, uh, for instance, uh, when you have some kind of, a, a, say, a scab. You have a, 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 um, um, an injury of some sort, a cut or a laceration. The suffering that comes from that is what the suffering of suffering refers to. The experience of suffering from, for instance, a laceration, uh, that would be the suffering of suffering. <coughs> How do I turn this off? It's hearing Rinpoche and then think it's me. I have it on silence. I think it's off. You think, is this off? I don't know how to turn my eye off off. I know how to... Is it on the side to make it off off? Here, one. It's hearing Rinpoche talk. I have it off, but it's hearing him talk, and Siri thinks it's me. <laughs> I just want it off. The <laughs> Okay, so when we look at different mind, what we're gonna, when I use the word mind generation, it's the actual word that we should be using for the spirit of enlightenment. A lot of times when we look at the text, they just say mind generation. 
Um, and then it has to be explained further because there's different kinds of mind generation. So a lot of times authors in English just bring it into what a, a, a commentator would explain to you it means. Um, but the word it should be used is mind generation, and there's a reason for that. Um, so when I say mind generation, it's referring to bodhicitta, or the spirit of enlightenment, and it's the more accurate translation of it. Um, so uh, when we look at uh, mind generation itself, uh, it, it can be defined in different ways. Uh, we can look at its uh, definition uh, according to the Abhisama Alamkara, um, and that's just the mind generation itself. And even when we look at this root, it says mind generation. The definition of mind generation is the desire for perfect, complete enlightenment for the benefit of others. Um, so that's the definition of mind generation. Uh, and here we're talking about the spirit of enlightenment. That's the same thing. Uh, in this case, it's the same thing. In all cases, it's not. But in this case, mind generation and the spirit of enlightenment are the same thing. So we're talking about the spirit of enlightenment type of mind generation. So that is defined as the desire for perfect, complete enlightenment for the benefit of others. Um, so then how do you, uh, what is the actual definition of great vehicle mind generation? Um, so the, the definition when we look at um, uh, um, the Parshin, the general meaning of perfection uh, by uh, Panchen Sonandrapa, when they give the specific definition of great vehicle mind generation, uh, they qualify it even further. It's a consciousness which is the entrance to the great vehicle arisen in an association, association with a wish which is its own aid that aims at the perfect enlightenment for the sake of others. Um, so uh, this is the definition uh, according to the general meaning of perfection of great vehicle mind generation. And when we divide that into categories, there are two, um, aspirational mind generation um, and engaged mind generation. So aspirational mind generation is this any type of mind generation that has the absence of the bodhisattva vow. So if there is the spirit of enlightenment uh, uh, that one possesses, but he or she has not taken the bodhisattva vow, at that point, that spirit of enlightenment is necessarily aspirational spirit of enlightenment. As soon as he or she takes the bodhisattva vow, from that point on, that spirit of enlightenment, that Mahayana mind generation, that great vehicle mind generation, is necessarily engaged great vehicle mind generation. So as soon as a, a bodhisattva takes the bodhisattva vow, their bodhicitta becomes engaged bodhicitta from that point on. It doesn't ever go back. Uh, so they have aspirational bodhicitta before that, and when they take the bodhisattva vow, then their bodhicitta becomes engaged bodhicitta. So that's the dif difference between aspiring spirit of enlightenment or aspiring great vehicle mind generation uh, and engaged great vehicle mind generation. Uh, and then if we're looking just at the general definition of mind generation um, or the general definition of bodhicitta, uh, Buddha mind, um, uh, and, and I would almost say in the Abhisama Alamkara, it should have the qualification that it is spirit of enlightenment. I have to look, I'd have to look at the root text of the Abhisama Alamkara and see what Tibetan word is used to see if the actual word for spirit of enlightenment or mind generation is used. But I would think it's the word for spirit of enlightenment 
um, is used in that context because there's different mind generations that aren't aspiring to Buddhahood. Uh, and so I would, I'm just as a, a translator's note, I'd have to look at the root Tibetan to be able to answer that. Um, but the Abhisattva Amkara is talking about, obviously, uh, um, bodhicitta and defining it, um, and which is, uh, again, uh, going back to that, it's a, a wish uh, that wishes to, uh, to become a Buddha for the sake, the desire for the perfect, complete enlightenment for the benefit of others. Okay, so, uh, and then... Taking it further, great vehicle, mind generation uh, is a consciousness which is the entrance to the great vehicle arisen in association with a wish, which is its own aid that aims at the perfect enlightenment for the sake of others. So here we see entrance to the great vehicle right in the definition. Okay. <laughs> ドディジェンゴンタネ、ドタンセジセニディアユレ。ドビシャチュジネロラニナノシン、テジェンチシェラジュトリスネビ、テジェンパビジュジュトイジナリ。ハバソンガナネ、テジェンパバ。トナンエ
quotes. It's very important that they're accurate um, and, and, and everything. So that's why I'm spending time on that. Uh, and then the general meaning of perfection, again, the definition of great vehicle mind generation is a consciousness which is the entrance to the great vehicle arisen in association with a wish which is its own aid that aims at the perfect enlightenment for the sake of others. So now, when we look at, all, uh, we look at great vehicle mind generation, it's divided into two categories as well. Uh, there is ultimate mind generation and conventional mind generation. Um, so great vehicle mind generation has uh, ultimate great vehicle mind generation and conventional great vehicle mind generation. Uh, so what are the differences uh, between these? So um, we find the definition, again, in Penchinson Andrapa's general meaning of perfection, of ultimate mind, great vehicle mind generation, and it's and we find its source also quoted, which is the uh, Maitreya is uh, the Dota Jen, the Jitsun Shamba. Yeah, so uh, it's by uh, Lord Maitreya's uh, Mahayana Sutra Alamkara. Uh, so uh, it's it's quoted in general meaning of perfection by Penchen Sonandrapa. But then where is that from? And then Penchen Sonandrapa gives the actual quote from the Mahayana Sutra Alamkara. So, ultimate mind generation. Uh, a principal consciousness of the continuum of a great vehicle superior, which falls into the category of a great vehicle wisdom in which the dualistic appearance with regard to the mode of subsistence of complete enlightenment has disappeared. Um, so, I'll, I'll, so, I'm just going to read these first. And then, where is that from? Well, Mahayana Sutra Alamkara says... Having served the perfect Buddhas, having accumulated the collection of exalted wisdom and merit, having produced the non-conceptual exhausted wisdom in regards to phenomena, that is asserted to be the ultimate. Um, so when we divide these two, what does that mean? If it is a great vehicle mind generation, it is necessarily conventional great vehicle mind generation. Ultimate great vehicle mind generation is merely a name put on it because it means that it's the mind, great vehicle mind generation that is abiding in a bodhisattva while he or she is having a direct valid cognition of emptiness of the nature of reality, of the mode of subsistence. So it, there's no conception taking place at that moment, so the wish, the thought, it's not occurring, but the person is still a bodhisattva. So that spirit of enlightenment that is abiding in that bodhisattva while they're having a direct perception of the mode of subsistence, for instance, at the path of seeing when they see emptiness directly, at the path of meditation, and so on, when there is this direct perception of emptiness, the bodhicitta that they have at that time is called ultimate bodhicitta. But if it is bodhicitta, it's necessary. If, if it is a great vehicle bodhicitta, it's necessarily conventional bodhicitta. Um, so because uh, ultimate bodhicitta isn't really bodhicitta. So that's how it's gotten. It's just being named as such. It's a, a nominal designation, but it's not actual. Um, so uh, that is... The, how you divide it, the definitions. I think that's everything. Tota. Oh, that's Spanish. Right? 
<laughs> so we see that uh, we have great compassion uh, then driving the spirit of enlightenment that then one then with that engages in the six perfections of, of generosity, uh, ethics, uh, patience, effort, concentration, and wisdom. So then, and we go back to the great treatise on page 87, right after the quote from Vairakana's great uh, Enlightenment Discourse. It says, in regard to this, I have already explained compassion. The great trailblazer Kamala Shilas explains that the spirit of enlightenment is both conventional and ultimate spirits of enlightenment, and that method is all virtues, such as generosity uh, and so forth. Um, so uh, we don't need to get into it, but in Kamala Shila's uh, text, uh, we find uh, these, the, the, the points of uh, the um, method uh, of, of six perfections and so forth. So we find in uh, uh, Nagarjuna's uh, um, precious garland uh, where it says, uh, from, from giving arises wealth, from ethics, happiness, from patience, a good appearance, from effort and virtue, brilliance, uh, from concentration, peace, from wisdom, liberation, from compassion, all aims are, uh, are achieved. Uh, so we find uh, this quote in uh, uh, Nagarjuna's um, precious garland uh, where the connection to these six perfections and their direct results uh, is uh, presented. And, and Rimeshi said his other points as well are in, in the letter to a friend are presented. But this quote we find in the, uh, the precious garland itself. So first, uh, this first <coughs> section we would call the actual points, uh, and then now we'll get into the individual explanations. Uh, so from uh, the, the standpoint of the, um, the outline, uh, that was the section that goes over uh, the actual point that's being made, and then the individual points will now be presented. So now we'll have an opponent's position, which is going to be Hashan, uh, the Chinese abbot's position, and then we'll find the response to that, the, the negation of that uh, position. And then there's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth and points uh, made within that. That then the Lobatuzu 
Ta loba tusu tingi sa re, ta ha chang loba tusu nda re se re ta. Se ta bi nang la, shinji lodo to ba, jana ha chang la so ba, kaji nang re se, ha chang la ha chang chang ba seke mu to te, su da nang beba tusu e yu ji re. Ha chang la so ba kaji nang re se, te ju ge, ha chang gachu beba mu go yu ji re o ta, kaji nang re se. Nang ba tu bi yishe yin shinji, nang ba tu ba shi yin shinji, ในตัวเองนะตัดเจมันเตะสองตัวเองนะข้อชี้ที่เดบุข้อข้อเลมันจะเตะเสดูตังจ้าดูกิจิบตังเนี่ยที่กันนะนี่ที่กันนะนี่
and the Tengjer, which are the authentic Indian commentaries. All of those were translated into Tibetan uh, from Pali and Sanskrit uh, and were done so uh, by masters at Draju Lupunling. Uh, and then we have Dudu Ngapa, and, and this is uh, where uh, the non-ordained tantric practitioners stayed that were followers of Padmasambhava. Uh, they wore a white robe. Uh, and they were not ordained. They were uh, householder tantric adepts or tantric practitioners. Uh, and this school, school was dedicated uh, to that, and, and they were followers of Padmasambhava. Um, so uh, now. So Padmasambhava has a very uh, a significant uh, um, significance in Tibetan history because. Uh, it, and it is said that there was a time when local deities uh, and spirits and so forth became very angry at the fact that Buddhism was being brought into the land and were causing a lot of disruption. And Padmasambhava was invited to basically exercise these demons uh, to get rid of them, uh, exercise them to, uh, I think that's the best way to translate it, um, to expel these evil spirits. Uh, um, and, and so Padmasambhava is historically um, 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 given uh, um, credit for getting rid of the disharmony that was, was taking place in, in the local deities at the time. So what was happening is they would build a, a, a monastery, for instance, up uh, during the day, and then at night local deities would destroy it, uh, and this was happening over and over again. <laughs> So then Padmasambhava came and actually subdued. Oh, so every exercise isn't the best word. Subdued is the best word uh, because, yeah, I, so my, let me correct that. The, that's misuse. Uh, subdued the, lo the local deities um, because the story then goes that when Padmasambhava came and subdued them, uh, afterwards, they engaged in helping the building process, and it went up very quickly um, because the local deities uh, helped with the building process. So uh, this is just anybody who's new. There's a lot of stories like this in all religions. We have these kinds of stories, um, uh, but this is a definite important one in Tibetan history uh, because of what was going on, and it's showing the power uh, of an individual bringing the truth and bringing the proper teachings into a into the area. The Cheran de Loson, Nge Lomason. Okay, uh, so I just want to keep where Rimache already read this part uh, and explained a couple of things, so I just want to keep make sure I don't miss anything. Uh, so I'm just going to read this. So, in regard to this, I've explained compassion, the great trailblazer 
Kamala Sheila explains the spirit of enlightenment is both conventional ultimate spirits of enlightenment and that method is all virtues such as generosity and so forth. So that's the actual section. Now we get into the, the individuals uh, and we're going to get into opponent and reply. This is Hashan's position as well as some of the negations. Some persons like the Chinese Hashan. So the reason it says some persons is that it wasn't only Hashan uh, who was a holder of this view. Uh, there were Tibetan scholars that held this view uh, and uh, non-Tibetans, uh, 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 non uh, um, uh, Shilupa, non-Buddhists, Rinpoche said, so non-Buddhist and Tibetan masters and so forth that held this view. So that's why it says some persons like Hashan, because it's not, he's not the only one who was a holder of this view. He was just one who was famously presenting this view. Uh, so some persons like the Chinese Hashan, who have a mistaken idea about the path of the two types of the spirit of enlightenment, say that any thought, non-virtuous thoughts of course, but even virtuous ones, binds us to cyclic existence, so its results do not transcend cyclic existence. It is like being tied up with a golden rope or with an ordinary rope. Uh, like white or dark clouds covering the sky or like the pain from being bitten by a white or black dog. So here, these are uh, Master Hashan's proofs and he always gave many, many proofs to back up his statements. So that was why he was very difficult to debate because he would always come with proofs uh, and he came with these as all examples of why uh, logically any thought was a distraction. Uh, and he said, therefore, just setting your mind in a state that lacks any thought is the path to future Buddhahood. Uh, such virtues as generosity and ethical discipline are taught for foolish people and capable of such meditative meditation on the definitive emptiness. To engage in those deeds after you have found the definitive would be like a king descending to a common status or like finding an elephant and then searching for its footprints. Hashan attempts to prove this position by citing from Sutra's 80 passages which extol the state of mind that lacks any thought. Okay. <laughs> ジェアマトバンハバンゼビンドイコンジェチュタネドソサジェンヒラメジェバトニンゴネレスワテトニンミジュセンドハシャングロンドイロンジェチュタヨワレスレサダネコテシエタンプロバソハシャンラクワレサ
get, uh, um, negating his view because he was very smart. Um, so this is why they invited Kamala Sheila from India, uh, the great master and logician Kamala Sheila, because they didn't know what else to do at that point, um, because his, uh, he was very good at, what, at, at proving something that wasn't right, what was incorrect. Um, so, after this debate with Kamala Sheila, um, which was part of the deal, uh, he had to leave. Hashan um, had to leave Tibet. Um, and it is said that um, he did leave, but he left his shoes there. Um, and it's said that that was a sign of what was to come. Um, and it was a sign that there were still remnants of that philosophy that remained in Tibet. Uh, and we can see uh, now in Tibetan Buddhism, in some schools, where this view has trickled in and many people actually enjoy uh, this idea um, that Hashan presented um, and, and believe in it. So there are... There are this has trickled into some parts of Buddhism that you can see, and there are those who enjoy uh, and believe in the, still these points that Hashan made, and it's said to have been prophesized by these shoes that he left uh, when he was kicked out of Tibet. <laughs> so it's, but it, wouldn't it be nice? Because Hashan's view is so easy. You just sit there, and you just don't think of anything. You just empty your mind, and, and that, that fixes it. He said, so many people like that. <laughs> but the problem is, is that just emptying out the mind can't be an antidote to grasping at things as being truly established. Just not thinking. That there's an active state that you think where you're grasping at things as being truly established. Just not thinking can't serve as an active opponent against that. Just as buying, it's buying time in a sense. It's a pause. Okay. So now this has been presented, and then the individual um, um, explanations will come in, and it will expand. So the ex the there's been a presentation of this, uh, what the thought is, and now the explanation will expand upon that presentation. Uh, so that's what will happen now when we find the reply that's going to uh, take place. And then, uh, 
Explanation of how the scholars negate the view. Okay. <laughs> Mandabinandi, Tobala, Tadjigi, Nomobata, Sidi, Maribu, Bombi, Yandi, Tobala, Tadan, Tasha, Jusenda, Tony, Dubisha, Gugres, 
Sanjela, Nagun Chudenji, Tony Gutus, Sanjibala, Nagun Chudenji, Tony Gugres. Ah, okay. Nagun Chudenji, Tony. Nagun Chudenji, Tony Pedetani, Barata, Tony to Sanju Sandan, Shedo to the men and Nagun Chudenji, nobody member. Tony to be Shedo Yabaji, Sanju Sandan, Nijedan, Shedo to the Yabayina, Tony to be Shedo there, Nagun Chudenji, nobody, Tony Shedo member. What do you say? Okay. Um, so there now in these individual explanations, there's going to be four uh, categories. Um, uh, so the first category, um, and this is just uh, roughly because I don't have the text in front of me, so I'm just translating all of this on the fly. Um, but it, the first is the uh, the scholars. Uh, so the view is the view of Hashan that is going to be the object to be negated, and and here it's how many scholars negate that view. So this will be the first category, is the scholarly, scholarly negation of that view that's been presented, the emptying of the mind idea. Um, the second is that Buddhahood, um, so a Buddhahood without, re, uh, without remainder. So, this, uh, uh, so here it's, there are different types of uh, um, Faux destroyers and so forth. So there's with remainder and without remainder. Um, and so there's different categories. So with remainder, for instance, when one achieves Buddhahood, but it still has their body um, at that time, uh, they're a faux destroyer with remainder because they still have the aggregates of cyclic existence that they showed up with. Uh, so there is a remainder still there. Um, so that's what with remainder is referring to. Referring to. Um, uh, um, so, without remainder, this Buddhahood without remainder, um, it's saying that requires both method and wisdom in order to be achieved. So, it requires uh, the union of the wisdom realizing emptiness uh, and method. Uh, so, that's the second category, and I'll change any of these if I need to as we go to make it more clear. Uh, the third category is the need for conceptuality in, when realizing emptiness. So the need for thinking about emptiness to understand emptiness. So why you need to be able to think about emptiness to understand it. Um, so how conceptuality plays a role in understanding in anything, but in this case it's emptiness. And then the fourth category is that only wisdom cannot allow one to become a Buddha. So just that wisdom alone will not let you become a Buddha. It's necessary to also couple that wisdom with method. Um, so uh, these are going to be the four categories uh, that will be presented. The Dutsu. Jutsu. Okay, so okay. we'll take a short break and oh, yeah. we will be right back. Uh, uh, snack time. There's another characterization. Second page, if it's helpful. Oh, that's okay. Ah, some guys are more chin. That's so sociable today. Sociable is in the jay. So do to see about a jay on the top of the net. And a son judge, you see, son to Ulia, Dumbaldoa. Then a touchy chat on Jay, Sanjay. Now my nose, 
ਉਹ ਦਿਨ ਮਾਇਓ ਦੋ ਸੁਰ ਸੇਵਾ So Hashan saying so we have a response Hashan saying everything to do with method is not an actual path uh, to buddhahood so that's uh, page 87 right at the bottom sorry stream enter look that up once returner never returner that was the angadentar ba yes lapsar lodaro tandines dines na od hajansuro din taji taji chatanje sanje jilama ino she kunjula kobata jins tashan chuji sentan jinji chembolo suwata sugolo sanje jilama res kusanlu dejyo sarwa tashan dine taji chatanje sanju senla sube taji chatanje sanje jilam nema mino she kunjula kobat chambutta jins tanitebi jayu tanbi hebo da meba takona nitubi tubi shiroji jobaka jan kabe tanabi tuji janre du pontes shiro tada shiroji ngene shirode tena ku kayores pontes chetara ta chetara chejojan shenaji shuzondo duronyu santuju jila lantambazonyu lotana tajindenes lotana tajindenes taglan ajut tajin yila majiba ote gunja bade ote toni gwadde den kutres laudres da lasa chetara chejojan shenaji shuzondo ote shenagun lantando dore madu ਜੇ ਹੋਇਓ ਜੇਬੰਦੇ ਮਸ ਵਦੇ ਵਦੇ ਬਾਤ ਮਾਰ ਕਮਲਾ ਜੀ ਲਗ ਵਦੇ ਆਸ਼ਾਂਤ ਕਾ ਜਾਇ ਵਾਰਿਸ ਲੋਰੀ ਨੀ ਜੁਗਨੇ ਲੋਂਦਾ ਦੇ ਬਾਨੀ ਜੁਗਨੇ ਆਸ਼ਾਂ ਕਾ ਬਰੇਸ ਲਸਾ ਹਾਜਾਂ ਤੇ ਲੋਂ ਜਾ ਜੁਦਾ ਯੋਰੋ ਤਾ ਫੇ ਖਤੂ ਲੋਂ ਦਾ ਅਨ ਰਿਬਤਾਂ ਜਰਬਤਾ ਕਾ ਮੈਂ ਜਾਂ ਕਾ ਮੈਂ ਜਾਂ ਸੋ ਵਦੇ ਬਤੀ ਜੁਜਾਨਾ ਟੂ ਚੇਨਾ ਓਕੇ ਸੋ ਵੀ ਬਿਗਿਨ ਵਿਦ ਦਿਸ ਸਕਾਲਰਸ ਨੇਗੇਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਦ ਵਿਊ ਥੈਟ ਹਾਸ਼ਾਂ ਪ੍ਰੈਜ਼ੈਂਟਸ Uh, and here it says Hashan saying everything to do with method is not an actual path to buddhahood so this statement is basically saying that uh, the mind the spirit of enlightenment great compassion none of these things have anything to do with buddhahood uh, so that's the uh, stance of the master hashan in this particular thing that's about to be negated uh, so everything to do with method is not the an actual path to buddhahood uh, so is a tremendous denial of the conventional and since he refutes analyzing with discerning wisdom the selfless reality that is at the heart of the conqueror's teaching he banishes the system of the ultimate to the far distance the great bodhisattva kamalashila excellently refuted with a mass 
of scriptural citation and stainless reasoning, this epitome of wrong views in which it is maintained that the sublime path consists of stabilizing the mind in a state that lacks any thought. Such stabilizing of the mind is a practice properly subsumed under the mere category of meditative serenity or meditative peace, no matter how superior it may be. Kamala Sheila then wrote at length on the good path pleasing to the conquerors. Uh, so here um, it's saying that Kamala Sheila not only quoted scriptures to show that Hashan was incorrect, but he used logic and analysis to disprove Hashan's wrong views. So this idea uh, that uh, somehow the, the path is created by putting the mind in a state that lacks any thought is the way to serenity or is the, is the way to Buddhahood is completely incorrect. So when we want to look at what the correct view is, it's very important to read uh, what is being presented here um, because this is the correct stance. Um, um, Let me just want to make sure I didn't miss anything Rinpoche said by just looking at the text again. Okay, Dig Song Yei Tsampa Rinpoche. Chu Mambo La Masa. The Dunda Mambo. Didn't touch his chat on his hundred and lama in Norshe. Lesser. Jayutambe Chetatoshu Lutan um, so, Hashan, uh, it says, is tremendous denial when we look at conventional and ultimate. And then there's a the tremendous denial of uh, the conventional reality. And it's saying that 
he refutes analysis with discerning wisdom. So what is one analyzing? So when we look at the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, it says, uh, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Um, so that, is, uh, that statement is something that is what is to be analyzed. So that is the statement that is the, uh, it says, uh, analyzing with discerning wisdom the selfless reality. Um, so selfless reality is that the five skandhas are empty of nature. Um, so an analysis of that is what gives rise to the understanding of that. But Hashan states that analysis is not the way to understanding uh, uh, something which is not conceptual. And then uh, he banishes the system uh, of the ultimate to the far distance. Uh, then the Tambo Kabatsa, the Mu Tambo do the Okay. okay. So the first one ends right, right there. So there's no need to go any further than that. I think I completed everything that Rinpoche said. Um, so the first category, which is the scholar's negations of Hashan's view, um, is that's the first one, and then it ends on page 88. Uh, so we can say, oh, and this is one thing I forgot. We can say, though, that uh, the meditation that um, uh, Hashan is presenting could categorically fall under calm abiding, meditative serenity of some sort, uh, but it will not fall uh, under the, the actual path uh, that leads to Buddhahood incomplete. Uh, um, it's, it, it could be considered a part of but could not be considered the actual uh, pathway with of uh, uh, the actual pathway. Touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber,touchweber
So uh, number two, um, nevertheless, uh, so here we'll get into, um, it, it gets into the merit and so forth, but a number two is that Buddhahood requires uh, both uh, method and wisdom. So that's the main category name when we go back to the outline. So let's just read it. Nevertheless, there are still some who continue to do just what Hashan did. Because the total decline of the Buddhist teaching is drawing near, because the excellent persons who ascertain with total certainty through scriptures of definitive meaning and stainless reasoning all the key points of the path in their entirety are no more. Because the merit of living beings is so minimal and because there are so many who have little faith in the teaching and feeble intelligence. Some belittle the deeds that are part of the path, the vows which are to be kept and the like, rejecting them and so forth. When they cultivate the path, others do not accept Hashan's mistaken denial of the factor of method, but assert that his way of understanding the philosophical view is excellent. And still others cast aside discerning wisdom and claim that Hashan's meditation of not <coughs> thinking is best. Uh, so here it's saying that there are still some who believe in this, and it's because uh, if you are not intelligent, his view is very attractive um, because it requires nothing. It requires you to just empty your mind. It doesn't require any analysis, and it actually forbids it. Um, so it's saying those who have little intelligence are very attracted to this idea of an uh, emptying of the mind um, and, and that are being presented here. Um, and, and it's saying that some uh, say that, uh, um, well, yes, the method is still important, but they still cling on to his philosophical view, uh, whilst others will, will use Hashan's view to say they don't have to keep their vows. Um, because it, it does, it's not necessary uh, to keep the vows of ordination based on the view of Vashan. Uh, so other people will use this view as an excuse, um, and then some will still incorrectly say that this style of meditation, where one slowly empties the mind of all thought, is still the best. So there's still people who are presenting inaccurate views to be the views of the Buddha, um, and here is the negation um, of this and the reason why it's taking place connected to the lack of merit uh, that living beings have at this point. Um, it makes that little faith in the teachings uh, occur. Uh, and because of the degenerate to times that we are in, wisdom is, it, is, it at, is at a low point in time. So there's number Nipa Ewajir. So uh, the second category, Rinpoche, in looking at the uh, commentary, has four categories that we're going to get into. Okay. Win 
So the type of uh, um, when we look at the word that's in the com- the commentary that's being used for enlightenment, it's the enlightenment of the Buddhahood, manyepi, no uh, no higher enlightenment, the highest enlightenment, exalted, uh, the highest um, the highest form of enlightenment. So. Uh, this is the type of uh, enlightenment that is is being referred to here. So it's the highest enlightenment requires this method and wisdom. So it's saying unexcelled. So in order to achieve unexcelled enlightenment, this highest enlightenment, um, it's necessary to have a union of method and wisdom. Just a singular method or a singular wisdom won't produce this uh, um, unsurpassable true, complete enlightenment. This requires both method and wisdom, method referring to the spirit of enlightenment and wisdom referring to the wisdom realizing emptiness. So it's a union of these which brings about uh, the uh, unsurpassable enlightenment that's being spoken of here. And as the translators note again, there's enlightenments of the different vehicles that aren't Buddhahood. So when we say enlightenment in Tibetan Buddhism, uh, we don't always mean Buddhahood because there's enlightenment of a Hinayanist as well. Um, so a lot of times we call that nirvana, but in Tibetan, enlightenment is different categories. So this enlightenment we're speaking of here is unsurpassed enlightenment, is the highest enlightenment. Okay. Less so we look in terms of vehicles, uh, in terms of faux destroyers. We have a Hinayanist vehicle, which is divided into hearer and solitary realizers. So we have the hearer, solitary realizer, Hinayanist faux destroyers. Uh, and then we have the great vehicle foe destroyer. The great vehicle foe destroyer is necessarily a Buddha, and it's necessarily referring to the type of enlightenment that we're talking about here, unsurpassed uh, enlightenment. Um, so that type of enlightenment that uh, comes about, um, uh, that type of enlightenment comes about through the union of method and wisdom. One alone will not produce that unsurpassed uh, type of enlightenment. Uh, so this is the enlightenment of a Buddha, and that's what that's referring to. Um, and again, um, when we look at the, the liberation or the word nirvana, Rinpoche used a, a few different ones. Uh, these are all uh, have categories. There's nirvana of a Hinayanist, nirvana of a Mahayanist. There's nirvana of a, I'm sorry, there's the enlightenment of a Hinayanist and enlightenment of a Mahayanist. Uh, there's a liberation of a Hinayanist and a liberation of a Mahayanist. So all those words that we use to kind of mean the same thing um, don't. Uh, we have to be very specific about which form we're talking about um, in order to know what, how to define it and how to relate to it. 
Um, so uh, this is specifically about unsurpassed complete Buddhahood and saying that this, uh, this is the great vehicle uh, um, foe destroyer that one is striving to become in this case, not a hearer, solitary realizer. Leso. So the Hinayana um, hearer and solitary realizer, foe destroyer, uh, is able to get rid of the afflictive obstructions. Um, so uh, they destroyed the afflictive obstructions. Um, but the imprints of those still remain. So the obstructions to omniscience are still present within the continuum of the hero or solitary realizer, foe destroyer, and the only way to get rid of those imprints of the uh, afflictive obstructions or the obstructions to omniscience is through the great vehicle um, pathway, which is the union of method and wisdom, uh, which then allows one to become a complete Buddhahood and achieve that unsurpassed enlightenment, which is free from not only the afflictive obstructions, but the obstructions to omniscience as well. Okay, I just have to clarify. Um, so the first category, which is the negation, um, continues into the second paragraph. Just give me one moment, um, again, because I've just got to uh, clarify it. Okay, so the um, 
the number, uh, the, the category of number one um, is, all, is also, I'm, I'm, I apologize, but is also this paragraph um, that is on page 88. Nevertheless, there are still some who continue to do just what Hashan did uh, because the total decline of the Buddhist teaching. This all categorically still falls under um, that first one. So I apologize for that. Uh, the commentary, everything that I gave was correct. It's just the categories, start and stop points um, I made a mistake on. So the um, this first one ends uh, where this uh, paragraph ends, uh, where... Uh, um, and still others cast aside discerning wisdom and claim that Hashan's meditation of not thinking is the best. So that's where the first category breakpoint is. Now the second category begins, and then there's going to be four categories. Uh, so that's all. Uh, everything else is uh, exactly right on. It's just that clarification of the break and start, start and break points. Uh, okay, Rinpoche. Okay. Tashi Shushu Menebane Okay, so uh, this second category of unsurpassed enlightenment requires both. Uh, there are four categories. Now this is the first category that I'm going to read. The path of these persons is indeed not all in the direction or of vicinity of a meditation on emptiness. But even if you, are, uh, even if you were to allow that it is a meditation on emptiness you would not then go on to say that those with the knowledge that comes from their cultivation of a faultless method of meditation, after they have found the unmistaken meaning of emptiness, should meditate on emptiness alone and not cultivate conventional states of mind pertaining to deeds, or alternatively, do not have to strive at those conventional states of mind in a variety of ways, upholding them as the core practice. To say such things 
contradicts all the scriptures and completely flies in the face of reason. So the statement and belief in this not only contradicts, quote, scriptures that can be easily quoted, but also if you use logic, it falls apart. Uh, For the goal for practitioners of the Mahayana is a non-abiding nirvana. Uh, So for this, you have to achieve non-abiding in cyclic existence via the wisdom that knows reality. The stages of the path contingent on the ultimate, the profound path, the collection of sublime wisdom, the so-called factor of wisdom, You also have to achieve non-abiding in the peace that is nirvana via the wisdom that understands the diversity of phenomena, the stages of the path contingent on conventional truths, the vast path, the collection of merit, the so-called factor of method. Um, So here it's showing the vast array of things that are needed in order to become a Buddha, in order to achieve a non-abiding nirvana, which is a, a, a Buddhahood that isn't just sitting there, you have to have engaged in things which are concordant with, with action. Uh, so that's all it's saying here, that the Buddha's goal, the goal of a person wanting to become a Buddha is non-abiding nirvana. And that's what a Buddha's Buddhahood is called, because they're not just staying in nirvana, they're going out and helping, as a translator's note. That's why it's called non-abiding nirvana, because they emanate to go help sentient beings, whereas in the Hinayana, they just stay and abide in nirvana and don't emanate and help. So that's why it's called a non-abiding, because they don't stay there. Uh, So that's as a translator's note. So it's saying that in order to achieve that uh, ability to not abide, you have to practice the not abiding and practice conventional work. Um, So that's uh, the point that's being made here in number one. Digsung Rinpoche. Okay. So Sambajos, <laughs> 
ਚੋਂਦੇ ਦੇ ਦਾਤਾ ਲਾਬੇ ਸ਼ਾਂਜੂ ਸੈਂਬਾ ਸੈਂਬਾ ਚੰਬੋ ਸੋਨਾ ਦਾ ਇਹ ਜੇ ਸੋਲਾ ਸੋਮਾ ਜੋਸ ਉਹ ਤਾਂ ਬਤ ਕਲੇ ਜੀ ਜੂ ਨਾ um uh, so now we um are just going to go over uh uh now the second category and the third category, uh according to this so the second category uh i thought began in rimbache Okay, yeah, so number 2 starts here. So this is correct. So the number 1 ends at factor of method. Number 2 category number 2 um, begins here. The sutra of showing the tatagata's inconceivable secret thus says, the collection of sublime wisdom eliminates all afflictions. The collection of merit nurtures all beings. Bhagavan since this is the case Mahasattva Bodhisattva should strive for the collection of sublime uh, me- uh, wisdom and merit so in order to become a complete buddhahood uh, in order to become a complete buddhahood buddha uh, which is unsurpassed perfect enlightenment uh, it is necessary to have two collections it's necessary to have the collection of sublime wisdom and the collection of merit without either one you can't become a buddha though so both have to be full in order to become a complete buddha uh so the point that's the point being made uh here then nipa kabartsar the kabartsar nipa debadre de phaba gomba deba gonde lejans sejenji dwala shindo mashuba dwije ngoban dushawa thaje la shindo mashuba nalana mabe shanju Lana mapa yanta bara dubi shanchu tenga loma tentos sheso tabat ni batsan sheso sheso tsan duziro so number 2 uh, okay um a stainless Okay so then we we keep going for uh number number category number 2 questions of the sky treasure sutra with the knowledge of wisdom you completely eliminate all afflictions with the knowledge of method uh you include all living beings so here uh is more uh, to the point and then the sutra unraveling uh the intended meaning says utterly turning away f- from the welfare of all living beings and utterly turning away from all participated participation and motivated action i have not not taught these to be unsurpassed perfect enlightenment so here it's it's showing that uh when we look at the the bodies of the buddha we have the emanation bodies uh which are the um uh, i'm sorry we have the uh form bodies which are the enjoyment body uh teaching the arya bodhisattvas in the pure lands and we have the emanation body Uh, which is the body that emanates to help sentient beings. So, um this is the participation that uh is 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 being spoken of here that the Buddha participates with sentient beings after his or her enlightenment. So that participation takes place in the uh uh enjoyment body uh and the emanation body. These are the bodies that participate and and help sentient beings. Um and then uh it 
goes on. Okay, so then uh, that is where the second ends. And then the uh, third category begins here in the teaching of Vimala Kirti. And we're probably going to have to end, but I'm going to make sure I get them all in. What is bondage for the bodhisattva and what is their liberation? Attachment to wandering through cyclic existence without method is bondage for a bodhisattva. Proceeding through cyclic existence with, that, with method is liberation. Attachment to wandering through cyclic existence without wisdom is bondage for a bodhisattva. Proceeding through cyclic existence with wisdom is liberation. Wisdom that is not imbued with method is bondage. Wisdom imbued with method is liberation. Method not imbued with wisdom is bondage. Method imbued with wisdom is liberation. So uh, if one has only wisdom, then they still are bound to cyclic existence. If one has only method, then they are still bound to cyclic existence. It's necessary to unite method and wisdom in order to be unbound. And, and this is according to how a bodhisattva sees unbound. Um, so the bodhisattva's intention is to help all beings. So being unbound wouldn't be brought to a state where they couldn't do that, which would be an abiding nirvana. So their aim is for a non-abiding nirvana so they can help. Um, so it's saying that what is bondage for the bodhisattva and what is their liberation? Um, so I just read that. I don't need to read it again. Um, but um, those are the main points. Attachment to wandering through cyclic existence without wisdom is bondage. Um, but attachment to wandering uh, uh, through, through cyclic existence without uh, a method is bondage. So it's just saying that all, all of these are bondage um, um, with attachment or without attachment. So it's saying that uh, um, you're bound um, if you have uh, left out one, either one of these two things, basically. Um, therefore, when you are on the path, uh, I'm not sure uh, where uh, number three ends. Rimaching, Atsu Dutsutsar. だどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだどうだ
in order to achieve Buddhahood. Why is it necessary to have method and wisdom to achieve Buddhahood? Because it's necessary to have two collections in order to become a Buddha. It's, it's necessary to have the collection of exalted wisdom in order to become a Buddha, and it's, and it's necessary to have the collection of exalted merit in order to become a Buddha. Why is this necessary? When we look at the definitions of the various bodies of the Buddha, uh, when we look at uh, what the, uh, and we look at what the definitions of uh, the collection of, of merit uh, is and the collection of wisdom is, just looking at the definitions of those, we see within them that they're needed. So in order to produce the various bodies of the Buddha, we need these collections. So a Buddha is comprised of the form body and the truth body. So when we look at what the definition of the collection of merit is, it's, it's a, uh, uh, a meritorious action that w gives rise to that which is in the lineage of, this is very loose, gives rise to that which is in the lineage of, uh, um, did I say wisdom? Let me try it again. So the collection of the definition of the collection of wisdom uh, is a wisdom uh, which which is a uh, um, uh, concentration uh, that uh, gives rise to that which is in the lineage of the truth body. Um, so uh, it's within the definition of the collection of wisdom that it gives rise to a truth body. Within the definition of the collection of merit, it says that it's within the, the lineage that gives rise to the form body. Uh, so the, the truth body being the Dharmakaya, uh, the truth body, um, uh, the omniscience and the cessations, and, and then the form body being the enjoyment body and the emanation bodies. Uh, so and or the, that is what the Buddha is, the, the form body and the truth body. And if in order to make those things, you need those two collections, then you have to unite method and wisdom because method is what correct collects the merit, and wisdom is what collects the wisdom. Uh, so this is what shows and negates Hashan's idea that you don't need both. It shows that to be a Buddha, you have to uh, have these two collections to have a form and a truth body, because it's, it's, it's how they are produced. It's, it's basically the imprints that uh, these leave are those bodies. The imprints of the collection of merit leaves those the body of, of form, and the imprints of the collection of wisdom leaves the body of, of, of truth. So uh, that's it for today. Uh, we're out of time. This is what is said about collection of wisdom and collection of uh, uh, um, merit. So what, though, if we asked a scientist these questions, how would they answer it? And with these specific points, what would a scientist say? So we wouldn't, we couldn't, we don't know that they could say that a, a state of a type like a Buddha could occur, um, a state, like a Buddha state could occur. We don't know if they could say that a Buddha state could occur. If we ask them what, what comes from this collection and what comes from that collection. So it'd be great if we could ask a scientist this. Because scientists are the real intellects, our true intellects. Okay. Uh, concluding Mandal offering, dedication, prayer, and thank you, everyone. Do we have a meeting today? Is that true? Oh, that's great. No meeting. I was going to make up. No, I wasn't. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. 
May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Ozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Abulkateshvara, Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tuji Rimchi, Futsi Shapi Denronan. Oh, yeah. And just so everyone knows, please uh, watch the teachings that are the first Wednesday of the month as well. Rinpoche has now included Muchu Dhammapada's uh, commentary uh, uh, in addition to the